0: are you ready? We're going to start a meimer now. We'll have a little bit of an introduction in class, and then from there we'll go to to learning it together. The meimer is a meimer which some of you may have learned many times, and others, it may be the first time that you're seeing it. But nevertheless, it's a mimer which each time you learn it, there's a whole new energy that comes out of it, that you're able to see such depths and such richness. And it's very important to learn it carefully, word for word, to try to understand what each word means not just means in the context of the Mimer, but means to us in our own lives. What is the impact and practical guidance that we're going to take from this Mimer in our Elul? This Mimer is a Mimer which the the Alter Rebbe said in a Shabbos Parsha rei, which is this week's Shabbos. It was also Shabbos Mivarchim Elul. And that's when the, the Alter Rebbe gave over the Mimer Anila Daidi. It was in the year Tafkuf Nun Zayin. Which some of you may be familiar with the year Tafkuf Nun Zayin because it's the year that Tanya was published. That's right. Tanya was published earlier that year in the year Tafkuf Nun Zayin. And the Alter said the Mimer then Anila Daidi, And it's one of the most famous Maymarim of the Alter Rebbe. The reason why this maimer is famous mm-hmm. is because of a specific mashal, an analogy that the Alter Rebbe gives in this maimer. An analogy to the Ebeshter during the month of Elul as a melech basada, king in the field. And this analogy has become so commonplace that you'll hear it wherever you hear people speaking about the month of Elul. You'll hear it from people speaking that they themselves have no idea where these words come from, but they just know Elul is the month of Melech Basada, the king in the field. But the depth and the appreciation of what these words mean is something which takes a lot of work. And even if we understood it in one way until now, as we learn the Maimur and we go through the context of the Maimur, we'll be able to understand it in a whole new perspective each time we're looking at it. And again, like I said earlier, Be'az HaShem apply it to our lives in a practical way. In general, the month of Elul is a month which just the words it's the month Shabbos Mevarchim. Elul is something which causes the heart to beat a little bit harder. It causes a person to be filled a little bit with a feeling of Ah, Elul is here. I've mentioned to you in the past that the month of, I heard from a Yerushalmi, an old Yerushalmi Yid, that the month of, is Rosh Hashanah. it's an acronym for Elul Ba, Elul is coming. Because when you say these words, Elul Ba, to someone, it ruins their summer vacation. It ruins their ability to be able to just relax and enjoy themselves. Um, uh, they know that uh, the, the Elul is around the corner, Rosh Hashanah, Yim Kippur, are coming. In fact, there's a Yiddish expression that in Elul, even the fish in the sea are trembling. Um, uh, they tell a story that one time the base Halevi woke up his son, Reb Chaim Brisker. It was the beginning of the month of Elul. And he woke him up, he said, with this, he was a little child then. He said these words, he said that in the month of Elul, even the fish are trembling and you're sitting in your bed. So the, the, Rebbe Chaim, this, as a child, he pulled his blanket a little bit closer and he said if the fish in the ocean had this blanket surrounding them, they wouldn't be trembling so much. But uh, the, the expression is that during the month of Elul, it's it's a time where there's this feeling of awe, of trepidation, of fear at the coming days of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. But the mimer that the Altar Rebbe teaches gives a whole different spin to the month of Elul. The mimer that the Altar Rebbe teaches tells us that the month of Elul is a month of love, of affection, of closeness. Of a happy face, of a laughing face. And they're not two opposites. Like everything in Yiddishkeit, there's a shell and there's an inside. There's a chitzenius and a pnimius. There's an outside and an inside. And the outside of everything that exists in Yiddishkeit is true but can be appreciated so much differently when the inside is revealed. And that's the objective of Teirah S'achsidis. That's the objective of Pneimiyas Hateira. to give us the insight to allow us, when we're doing mitzvahs, when we're studying Teirah, when we're connecting to Hashem, to do it with an entirely different appreciation. Yes, you should feel that sense of awe in the month of Elul, but you feel it not out of a distance from Hashem, but out of a closeness and a feeling that Hashem cares about me and loves me and is turning to me. And because of that, I feel that sense of Ah. Let's learn together and we'll hopefully be able to. And again, I could only interpret it in the way that I understand it. You're going to review it and go over it, and think about it, in a way that you connect to it as well. The Mimer starts with, it begins with the words, I am for my beloved, and my beloved are, is for me. It's a Pasuk from Shir Hashirim, the Song of Songs. The Song of Songs is a book that Shlema HaMelech wrote describing the relationship and closeness between Hashem and the Jewish people. And he wrote it in such powerful terms, in such deep expressions, that the Chachamim wanted to hide this book of the Song of Songs because they were afraid that it would be misinterpreted and cheapened rather than recognized for what it is. But Baruch Hashem wasn't hidden from us and we have access to these powerful terms of endearment between Hashem and the Jewish people. It's a conversation that sometimes the Jewish people are speaking to Hashem and sometimes Hashem is speaking to the Jewish people but in each part of the conversation, there is the expression of love and connection. And we have two verses in Shir Hashirim that very much mirror each other. One of them is Ani li, and the other one is Doydi li I am for my beloved, and my beloved is for me, or my beloved is for me, and I am for him. And although these two verses sound almost the same, The truth is that they're very different. The order in which it says the words changes the context completely. means that Hashem expresses His love to us and in response we express our love to Him. A classic example of that is Matan Teira. By Matan Teira... It says Hashem held a mountain over our heads. Now, when Hashem is holding a mountain over our heads, that sounds like a religious coercion. But really, as explained in the teachings of Chassidus, it's not at all. The mountain represents a huge embrace, a tremendous embrace, an embrace that circles us completely. And when a person is caught up in an embrace, he's stuck. He has no choice. But to respond to the person who's hugging him, Shall I Demonstrate. <laughs> <laughs> it's nicht, it's nicht. Um, <laughs> He has no choice but to respond. He automatically faces. i to go get my. He automatically faces the person who is hugging him, who's embracing him, and he's caught in this embrace. That's doidili, my beloved, is for me. And because of his powerful expression of I love you, we have no choice but to respond with the same. That's not Elul. Elul is ani It starts with me. And then v'daydili. And this acronym for the month of Elul is one which is brought down in the halachic writings that explain various acronyms for the month of Elul specifically. There are other months which also we have acronyms which are brought down in Alokha. But Elul has the most acronyms which are quoted. And the first letters of each words of this verse, Ani Daidi, I am for my beloved, and li, my beloved is for me, make up the words Elul, Rosh Tevis, they're the first letters of the word Elul, and if you look at the last letters you have, what do you have? All yuds. All yuds. Yud is the first letter of Hashem's name, a very powerful letter. But when you put four Yuds together, what do you get? Forty. 40. What's forty? What's the connection between forty and Elul? Forty, mm-hmm. 40 days of matan Torah. excellent. And specifically to Elul? What? It's from Rishchidosh Elul until Yom Kippur. 40 days. What are those 40 days from Rishchidosh Elul until Yom Kippur? It's the days when Meshra Beinu was up receiving the second tablets which we read about in Parsha's Akev. I'm just wondering, the, the thing that you are saying about the forced response and embrace, and that, the, where is that from? Dal Tureb explains it in the Purim, as well as in other places. That's connected to Lee's Hashem says, I love you. It's an Asarusa de And as a result of that Esarusa de la'ela. you have an Asarusa de la which is not forced. You, 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 you. And when I say forced, I mean that you're caught in the embrace. Not that you're forced to say, I love you against your will. On the contrary, it's forcing from within you that feeling. Like sometimes a child is throwing a tantrum. And sometimes there's different ways to deal with it, but sometimes the best way to deal with a tantrum is you hug him, you kiss him, and you say, I love you, I love you, I love you, until he calms down. And then he feels that in response. In other words, you're forcing from him to move away from his tantrum and move to his feeling of connection and affection to his parents. So this is that's the opening of our Mimer. And now the Altarab is going to go farther and deeper into understanding this, but all within the context of that means that the entire Mimer is going to be demonstrating to us how the month of Elul is a month where we turn to Hashem. And it's Fascinating, the Rebbe breaks apart this mimer word by word, idea by idea, over the years in both um, talks that the Rebbe has given, as re- as well as Hasidic discourses, as well as Meimarim. And each time the Rebbe analyzes it anew, one of the Themes that the Rebbe has analyzed on a number of occasions is that the whole point of this mimer, which the mimer is known from, as we said earlier, the king in the field, seems the opposite of Anil Adaydi. And we're going to have to think about that and try to connect it, because if the king is coming out of the field, that means it's Daidi Lee, the king is coming to us. We'll get there soon. Let's first start in the very beginning over here, Va'inyan. And the idea is. In Elul, we start with Anila Daidi. That means the whole month of Elul is about us turning to Hashem and reconnecting to Hashem. That means we've gone through a year. It's almost a year since last Rosh Hashanah. And Rosh Hashanah, every Jew feels a connection to Hashem. When we blow the sheifer, I'm saying the words wrong, but if, is it possible that a shofar should be sounded in a city and the people should not be afraid? The sound of the shofar arouses within us a feeling of it's time to do tshuva, it's time to connect to Hashem. But a year has passed since last Rosh Hashanah, and during that year I've taken some turns in this direction and that direction, not necessarily on the straight path which I was supposed to follow on. So the month of Elul is a month of anila of coming closer to Hashem. And the objective of that is that we should be able to get to the month of Tishrei, so that we should be able to stand Rosh Hashanah and on Rosh Hashanah once again, accept Hashem as our king. And the point that we're making is that when we're accepting Hashem as our king on Rosh Hashanah, it's not something which is coming from Hashem down, but it's coming from us up. And the theme of that is something which is explained in Chesidus that when a king goes and decides to be a king, the only way he's going to decide to be a king is if he has some type of reason to do that. In other words, it's not that the king is being a king because he likes sitting on the throne. Because a true king is an essential person who anything that you're giving him, he already has and he doesn't need from you. There's nothing you could give him that he doesn't have. So how do you get the king to want to be a king? By saying, we need you. We want you. And because we want you, therefore be our king. In other words, we want to pull out... From Hashem, the rachsin limlech, the desire to be a king, and that desire needs to be inspired from us, and that's what the month of Elul is about: is the aligning ourselves to bringing out by Hashem that desire to be a king the anil De which starts from below. is de that that's the level of arousal from below. arousal from below and arousal from above are two ideas which are discussed all the time in inidis there is the inspiration which comes from us and the inspiration that comes from Hashem. And they're very much interconnected because an embrace from above brings out an embrace from below and an embrace from below inspires an embrace from above. So the arousal from below brings out the one from above and the arousal from above brings out the one from below. But sometimes the initiation is emphasized from above and other times the initiation is emphasized from below. And the month of Elul specifically, we're emphasizing the beginning the starting point from below. So from Elul you have the level of Anila Dodi. That then on Rosh Hashanah Yim Kippur you have the level of drawing down Hashem's godliness in a revealed way below. You walk into Shul on Rosh Hashanah, you feel it's Rosh Hashanah. You walk into a shul in Yom Kippur. You feel it's different. Why? Because there is lamata. There's revealed godliness. It's not just a regular day. It's a special time. But that special time depends on me. It depends on my preparation to be able to be connected to that special time. The, the, the lift, um, uh, the driver that was taking me the other day, he told me that there's supposed to be a meteor shower over the weekend. And, uh, he told me where you could go see the meteor shower. So just to, to, to bring across the idea, there are three possible levels. There's one level of me sleeping in my bed The meteor shower is happening. It's beautiful. It's stunning. It's awesome. But I don't see it. I'm in my bed. There's another possibility that I happen to be walking outside and I look up and I say, whoa, what's that? And I continue walking. And a third possibility is that I'm standing over there for hours before and preparing all of my equipment. I'm educating myself what a meteor shower is and why it's happening and where it's going to happen and how it's going to happen and so on and so forth. And I'm finding the perfect vantage point to be able to appreciate it in the closest possible way. And then when it happens, I'm completely overwhelmed by the beauty and grandeur that is taking place. With Rosh Hashanah, it's the same thing. And Rosh Hashanah, Hashem becomes a king over the world. But there are different possibilities of how I'm going to experience it. I could experience it in a way that I don't even notice it's happening if I'm staying at home and I'm sleeping in my bed. I could happen to walk by and wake up on the morning of Rosh Hashanah, walk into a shul and feel it's Rosh Hashanah today, this is amazing, but it doesn't really affect me and change me. Or I could use the month of Elul as a preparation so that when this Hiskalos takes place, when this revelation takes place, it's something which becomes part of me. It's something which is affected, affecting me. And that's the what we're describing over here, the Anila Daidi v'daydi li, is all the month of Elul, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, is a continuation of Elul. It's not that Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur is now a new a new entity, because then it wouldn't be part of the month of Elul. Ani it's the month of Elul isn't called Kel, even though we're going to speak at length about the level of Kel and its connection to the month of Elul later in the Maimur, but it's not called Kel, it's called Elul. That means it has a Vav and a lamid in it. That means that the V'dayi of Rosh Hashanah and Kippur is part of Elul as well. We're experiencing it as well. Now, in this Mimer, the Mimer focuses only on the first half of Tishrei, Rosh Hashanah and Kippur, even though the whole month of Tishrei is a continuation from Elul, not just the awesomeness of Rosh Hashanah and Kippur, but also the, the... Unbounded joy of such, which is the result of Rashishani Yum Kippur. But we don't focus on that as much in this mimory. Let's see over here inside. Ad Rashana M. Kippurm, Shaheim Bchinas Hamsha Salikusoy, Isbarach, Lemata Bibchinas Eskalus, as it says in the verse, Smailai tahas lireshi vimina tihab keni. That Hashem, This is also from Shir Hashim, from the Song of Songs, where the verse describes how Hashem's left hand is under my head supporting me, and Hashem's right hand is embracing me. The left hand supporting me, that's the strength. That's the power. That's the energy of Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, which supports us throughout the year. And then the right hand embracing me, that's the love, the joy of Sukkis and Shemini Atzeres, which is the source of our excitement and our love of Yiddishkeit which we express throughout the year. But again, over here it's focusing only on Shem Rosh Shoshana Adyem Hu Bechinas Smailai from Hashanah until Yom Kippur is the level of Hashem's left hand, which is Bechinas Yira, the open, the obvious energy, the obvious feeling of Hashanah Yom Kippur, although inside there's the Vigilu Berada, the rejoicing with trembling, but the, the rejoicing is something which is more inside and the trembling is more external and therefore it's a, of Yira, a level of year, a, a level of Hashem's left hand which is supporting my head. Because then Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur is a time of a revelation of Hashem's king, a kingship, of Hashem's being a king over the world. What does it mean that Hashem is a king over the world? What it means that Hashem is a king over the world is that in everything inside of the world, we're able to see that this is something coming from Hashem. When we describe Hashem as a king, it means that everything follows the in the will of Hashem. A true king doesn't have someone who is choosing to do something different than what he wants. That's called rebellion. and. If a person rebels against the king, then he walks out of the room a head shorter. He can't be connected to the king. The king is not a king if there's somebody else who is also saying his own opinion different than the king. You can't have two kings using one one crown. So that means that we're following Hashem's mitzvahs and doing what Hashem wants inside of the world. That's the level of year, the time of Rosh Hashanim Kippur. That's the time of Hiskalus Malchusi Yisbarach. And therefore, throughout Rosh Hashanim Kippur we're constantly emphasizing HaMelech HaMelech we call Hashem the King, and even though some of these are parts of davening throughout the year, but there's a greater emphasis of it on Rosh Hashanah. Like, for example, with the Khazan who starts his the the the, the Birchas Kri'shma, he starts with the word HaMelech and even though that word is said throughout the year, but usually throughout the year it's swallowed up inside of a paragraph. And over here, this is the emphasis and the call of the day. And similarly, throughout davening, there are sometimes that we emphasize the word hamalach, or sometimes that we insert the word hamalach where it usually isn't there. Because Hashem's malchus is the malchus of all of the worlds. This is a pasuk from Ashrei. But it's a pasuk from Ashrei, which the Alter Rebbe constantly brings in all of his maimarim to demonstrate to us, and each time with a little twist, but to demonstrate to us how the worlds exist. The worlds exist in a way of malchuscha, malchus <laughs> kalaylamim. Your kingship, Hashem, is the kingship of all of the worlds. Hashem's malchus exists in all of the worlds. Now, when we say in all of the worlds, the mime is going to emphasize even in the highest worlds and even in the lowest worlds. What does it mean even in the highest worlds? Let's see inside. Perish. She'afilu Even in the hidden worlds. What are the hidden worlds? So we live in the revealed world. The revealed world is like the difference between the, the, the land and the ocean. So in the land, you're able to see everything around you. Everything sticks out. Everything is... Presented When you look at the ocean, all you see is the ocean surface, and everything inside of it is swallowed up. Similarly, there's revealed worlds and hidden worlds. The revealed worlds are the worlds that we live in, that we experience, but deep within it there are much deeper levels. Those are hidden worlds, worlds of spirituality, of godliness, and they ascend level after level. There are worlds of spirituality where even though there is spirituality, but there's still separation. And then as you go higher and deeper, there's less and less separation until you have the worlds which, like the world of Atsilas, is a world of pure godliness and complete connection to God. Now, sometimes in the king's palace, there's such a close connection to Hashem that there is, is, I'm sorry, there's such a close connection to the king that there's not this feeling of awe inside of the king's palace. There's more of a feeling of re- relaxedness. There's a story, there are two chsidim, one of them was Rebensha Shem I don't remember who the other one was. Um, uh, This is after the Feodik Krebs was in America. And uh, when the Feodik Krebs was already in 770, in the the later years when the Feodik Rebbe was in America, he was very ill, physically ill, because of the persecution that he suffered in the Russian jails under the Russian authorities. And... Um, he needed to be taken care of physically, and the chassidim downstairs they were saying till him because it was at the, 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 a time where the fitzaker was ill. But these two chassidim, Ben Sheshamtov and the other chassid, were closer closer to the fitzaker and they were actually able to enter into the Rebbe. They were helping him and so on and so forth. They ate the suda with him. And they came down, and they saw the chesidim who were sitting and saying to them, Sir Abente Shantav, said to the other chesidim, he says, you know, I'm jealous of these chesidim. So the other chesidim said, what do you mean? Why are you jealous of them? He says, because we see the fidu up close. And therefore, it feels to us like the fidu is just a person. But they, they have this rememus, this exaltedness, that they're distant, and therefore, they energy that they feel of the Fidic Rabbi is a Rebbe. Someone who's exalted, someone who's above, someone who's beyond them. In other words, sometimes when you're too close to something, you're not able to see it properly. And that, I think, is the emphasis which the altar Rebbe is saying over here in the Maimer. First, Sha'afilu <laughs> that There are certain times that even in the hidden worlds, even in the concealed worlds, there is this feeling of awe, of trepidation, of fear in the from the king. That this fear feeling is that the king is so strongly in his um, expression of malchus of being a king that even those who are close to him feel that awesomeness. And from this is drawn down also below, al on the Jewish people below also, to accept upon themselves the yoke of the heavenly kingdom. Now the Altyaz says, the, even for the opposite. That even those below. There are some times that those who are closer to the king they feel that sense of awe. Ah, my great uncle, Rabbi Khadikov was the Rabbi's secretary. And he would come into the Rabbi's office numerous times, every single day, in and out, in and out. And uh, someone once asked um, uh, Rabbi, Rabbi Yudel Krinsky, I think, how his way of going in and out from the rabbi is. And he described how he goes into the rabbi. And the person asked, every time you go into the rabbi, do you put on a gartel? And he said, no. There's the times that I go into the rabbi as a chassid and the times that I go into the rabbi as a secretary. When I go into the rabbi as a chassid, I put on a gartel. When I go into the rabbi as a secretary, I'm not wearing a gartel. So this person asked, he said, but Rabbi Khadikov puts on a gartel every time he goes into the Rebbe. So the, rabbi, rabbi Krinsky responded, yeah, Rabbi Khadikov is different. <laughs> rabbi Khadikov is different. He, he has that feeling every single time he's going into the Rebbe. That's the feeling of Ah which exists above. But sometimes there's the opposite. There's the feeling of Ah above, but not the feeling of Ah below. You go below, and there's people who are distant from the king, and they're not thinking about the king. Those who are in the palace, they feel there's a tenseness, perhaps, or an awesomeness, an excitement, which is filling the palace and energizing the palace, and everyone knows the king is about to whatever it is, but there's that feeling and energy. But you go far off to a side street, an alley, distant in the town, and you don't get that feeling, you don't get that energy. So this, the Alter Rebbe says, is not what the Malchus HaMalchus Kalei is. First of all, even above, they feel the trepidation. And second of all, that trepidation reaches all the way below. That it trickles down. That means the feeling is so awesome, is so amazing, that the whole city, the whole country, the whole world feels That energy that the king is about to accept the kingship, you feel it on every level, in every street corner, in every alleyway, you feel that energy. And the fear of Hashem should be on their faces. Call Hashanah throughout the year. In other words, Rosh and Kippur, not just about Hashem being a king on Rosh and Kippur. The whole point of a Shishonim Kippur is that when we accept Hashem as king, over us, on Rosh Kippur, this should be something which trickles down and has an effect on our entire year, on everything that we do throughout the year. Because the bottom line is we're not above. We don't have that connection to Hashem. If we're going to appreciate that Hashem is a king and that that kingship makes a difference to my life, to my reality to my morning and my night, to my waking and my sleeping, if that's going to have an effect on me, I need to have a certain connection. I need to know that the king exists. If you're going to go to some far-flung corner of the kingdom where they never heard of the king and they don't know that the king exists, it's not going to affect them. Are you going to tell them, well, this king died and there's a new king accepting the coronation, whatever it might be. It's not going to make a difference to them because they don't know what a king is. They just know that they plow their field and they, they eat their food and they have their highways and that's it. They don't understand what it means, it's the king's highway. They don't understand what it means that they live, they're one of the king's subjects. Unless there's some effect that they have, some connection that they have to the king. The connection could be indirect, but it has to be a connection. There's the story of the chasid that came into the samach sadak, and he said to the samach sadak, he said, Rebbe, what should I do if I'm having questions about whether Hashem exists? So the Tzama said, why do you have questions? He says, because I don't see anything. I don't know anything. How do I know that there's actually a this When I was a kid, I had I saw a comic once where there were two fleas. First you see a dog, and then it zooms into the dog in the comic, and it shows you two fleas talking to each other. And one of the fleas says to the other flea, says, you know, sometimes I wonder whether there really is a dog. So... the, the he said The Tzadik said, Rabbi, sometimes I just, I'm not sure. So the Tzadik said, the czar, you know that it, the czar exists? So he says, yeah, I know that the czar exists. So Tzadik said, how do you know that the czar exists? So he says, well, Rabbi, my cousin, one time his brother-in-law traveled to the capital and he saw the czar. So because he saw the czar, I know that the czar exists. So the Tzammach said, okay, so it's enough for you that one of us knows that the Ebishter exists, sees that the E-Bishter exists, that could affect you too. But this is what it means, that it trickles down. This is what the Mimer is saying, that because in the higher worlds the trepidation and feeling of connection to Hashem is so palpable, is so tangible, is so obvious. That causes that it reaches all the way below. It reaches all the way to us. That that throughout the year we should have that feeling um, of connection to Hashem you can't just feel an offer a king if you don't have any type of connection or relationship to that king, there has to be some type of revelation, some type of 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 connection to the king. There has to be some visibility of the king for the king to have an effect. And this visibility of the king, that's yer'a. Yer'a is also the same letters as re'ia, sight. Because the era comes from re'iya. When you read a news article about something taking place across the world, it doesn't make you afraid. But if you see something in your backyard, it makes you afraid. And the, the, the era also starts with you also. It starts from below. Very good. And that's, ki imikoyach ha'ara, hanimshach ha'amaylo, b'yesus manus kalusa. And that's what Rosh Hashanah is b'chinas yira, is all about. V'zehu b'chinas v'doy And that's the level of v'doy But again, the v'doy that's the meteor shower. And it's only my connection to the meteor shower. It's only my preparation for the meteor shower that will give me that appreciation and connection to it. Now the truth is, I said in this analogy that there's somebody sleeping in bed and it totally doesn't affect him. In the analog, that's not true because everybody is affected by Rosh Hashanah. But some people don't know that they're affected by Rosh Hashanah. If I'm sleeping in bed during a meteor shower, it really doesn't make a difference. It's as if it didn't happen. But if I'm sleeping in bed during Rosh Hashanah, even though I might not know, I might wake up on Rosh Hashanah morning and turn on my television and eat my, my, my breakfast just like any other morning, but Rosh Hashanah is still happening. And that Rosh Hashanah is something I could tap into later on in the year, but it's much more difficult. And the month of Elul, that transforms our Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, it makes our Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur completely different. Da'aina Rosh Hashanah b'chinas yerav ezel b'chinas v'dayidili. This is the level of Dili that the Vidaidili comes as a result of the anila dayidi. Rak only shetzarich tchilah la'or al yudei serisad I need first to prepare myself. I need to prepare myself during the month of Elul, and when I prepare myself during the month of Elul, then it'll completely change my Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. That's the introduction of the mimer. From this introduction of the mimer, the Alt-Rebbe continues to discuss the uniqueness of the month of Elul in the terms of the Yudgim Ulmidah which we'll discuss, I guess, tomorrow. And from there, um, we get to the famous analogy of the Mimur of Maluch Um uh, I'm sorry I went over time. <laughs>